They must be expecting some old people they put the rail up. <laughs> I am very grateful to the people that initiated that and the people who crafted it. And there's another one that goes there and they can be just lifted out and put in whenever the need arises. So just for fun, I'll go down that side. No. <laughs> let, me, let me pray first of all. Father God, we're going to talk about a, a very important subject this morning and I would ask your Holy Spirit through your presence that's already here through the worship time and now through the word your Holy Spirit would prepare hearts and minds and eyes be opened to the truth of the word and that whether people are sitting here in this auditorium or watching online at this present time or will watch it uh, in the future. Lord, I just pray protection for them, protection for myself and the team here. And I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, this is the final in this series called A Weary World. And... Uh, I, they've given the job of finishing it to the weariest one. <laughs> That's fit, isn't it? Um, and um, we've been doing this, this is the third week, and at night they've been doing a, a topic called Rejoices. So it goes, a weary world rejoices, which picks up the theme of Christmas coming through from one of the well-known Christmas songs. We live in a world that entices us to live the good life apart from God instead of faithfully trusting what God has promised his word and through the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. We have not always known what it is to wait faithfully and uh, to endure with perseverance. Waiting is never easy. A woman was nervously waiting at the airport for her husband to return from his skydiving lesson. And the pilot approached her, I'm sorry, Mrs Jones, I have some, there's been an accident, I have some bad news, some good news, some more bad news, and some more good news. The bad news is your husband fell out of the plane. The good news is he had his, he had his um, what do you call it, parachute on. The bad news is he hit the ground before his chute opened. And the good news is we hadn't taken off yet. <laughs> Bit of a letdown, eh? I have some more relevant good news, bad news for you this morning. Let me start with the bad news. Bad news is throughout the book of Revelation, the last book in our New Testament, there is described conflict between earthly personalities and people directed and energised by Satan and his demons to overthrow Christ's rule on earth. And that's described in the future that uh, uh, the Apostle John is um, given insight to. That's the bad news. The good news is through that same book of Revelation climaxes with God's ultimate triumph through Jesus Christ to overthrow evil and the evil one 
and establish fully the kingdom of God. The kingdom that we're in part experience now will fully come to be when and Jesus returns to the, to the earth. Now, I want to give a parental guidance warning here. The nature of this subject this morning requires that I give mention of names and descriptions of Satan. So I wish parents to be aware of this ahead of time. And if you're new to this whole Christian thing, church thing, this journey that we're all together on, you might find this challenging. And I just pray that God will give you insight to what to take in and what to let go. In Revelation 22, the last chapter in the, our Bible, in verse 7, it, Jesus says, Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of prophecy written in this scroll. And that's referring to Jesus' second coming to earth, this time to judge. And then it'll be too late to change our minds about the claims that Jesus made to be the Son of God. Jesus said he's coming soon, but we're still waiting. In fact, we've been waiting 1,900 years. What's the deal? Well, I know in my heart of hearts, because the Word of God says so, that God's got it in control. His time will be the time. No man will choose that. Simply God and only God knows when that time will come. We will probably see signs of the times, but the time will be in God's control. It's never easy waiting. I mean, if you've waited at the dentist's, if you've waited to go into an exam, if you've waited to see your doctor about results, or, or you've waited for the policeman to walk from his car to your car... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's never easy waiting. And God's word overall tells us that we have to contend with three major things in our lifetime. The world, that's others. The flesh, that's what comes from within ourselves, And Satan, the devil. In uh, the first week, Christy talked about how wearying it was when the world doesn't share our values and we're sort of swimming against the current, as it were. Every world, she said, has been weary from the beginning because sin separated uh, mankind from God. And then last week, Golly reminded us that when we are waiting, we lose, tend to lose hope and our minds go to seek instant satisfaction rather than waiting for God's timing, uh, waiting patiently. This morning, I'm focusing on God's enemy, the final in the series, our adversary, the devil, Satan, the dragon, the evil one, the tempter, the accuser, Lucifer, prince of darkness, God of this world, and the antichrist, etc., etc., now, I wish to give a personal disclosure. Both Janet and I have ex ex both experienced personal and very real confrontations with the enemy, Satan and his minions. 
particularly whilst we were considering the call of God to serve overseas in Papua New Guinea with our mission board and during our time in mission there with our family. And we have experienced the power of evil that engenders fear so thick you felt you could cut it with a knife. C.S. Lewis, the author of uh, many books, but includes The Lion, The Witch in the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Narnia series and so on, the Screwtape Letters, writes that there are two equal and opposite errors which we can fall into about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And as I've journeyed through this life, I've experienced Christians who are in both camps. I've known people who said, Satan doesn't exist, don't believe in a devil. Well, Jesus does. God did. He kicked him out of heaven. But I've also experienced time with people who basically saw evil in everything. And we were seeking all sorts of, um, ex, you know, what do you call it? Getting rid of <laughs> Satan from all sorts of places and giving him more credence and power than I believe he deserves. However, I believe we should maintain a balanced approach. Let's go to the source document, the ultimate authority, the Bible. What are some of the... Uh, things the Bible says about the reality of Satan. And this is only just a very short, brief list which I'll race through. Firstly, Satan is a fallen angel. Actually, that's not true. He was kicked out of heaven. He didn't fall. He was kicked out because he rebelled against God. And Jesus, when he was speaking to the 72 that returned from a mission exposure trip, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning because of their ministry and their testimony of him. Secondly, Satan is a murderer. Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, said to them, you are from your father the devil, and you choose to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And he continued, and Satan is the father of lies is the next one. Jesus continuing his description of Satan, he says, when he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Four, Satan prowls about the earth. Peter's writing to the church, disparate church, and he says, discipline yourselves. Keep alert like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Fifth, Satan blinds the mind of unbelievers. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he says, in their case, a God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing clearly the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Number six, Satan tempts people to sin. Do not we pray... Lead us not into temptation, but forgive us and deliver us from the evil one, from the Lord's Prayer. 
Seven, Satan plucks the word of God out of people's hearts and chokes faith. Jesus again is speaking in the parable of the sower and he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown partly there. This is what was sown on the path, the seed that fell on the path. Number eight, Satan accuses, accuses Christians before God. And in Revelation chapter 12, John writes, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven proclaiming, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. No. So with these realities about Satan in the forefront of our minds, what's our reality? Where do we sit? What does the source document say about our reality? Well, firstly, it says that Satan and his demons or fallen angels are enemies of God. Therefore, they're enemies of those of us who believe and trust in God. Secondly, they are defeated enemies. They're operating on a, operating on a finite time scale. They're on borrowed time. They're on a leash, as it were, and they know it. God is still in charge, you see. They are defeated. The scripture's been, script has been written, and it will be followed. Because Satan knows scripture, he knows the end for him is coming. So, we can take courage. And the first aspect of their defeat is that they're no longer able to condemn us because of any sin we might have or commit. Paul, writing to the Colossian church, says, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Sin and the law have no power now. Jesus nailed them to the cross when he was crucified. He crucified them. And in uh, Romans, we read 8, 1 to 2. Therefore, there is now, now, that means after the crucifixion and the, the resurrection, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. No con condemnation is possible now. Just can't happen but there is a condition in Christ Jesus. And I pray this morning that there will be some working through of what that means in people's lives, but to be in Christ Jesus. And the second aspect of their defeat that gives us courage is that death is no longer the end for those who believe. And in 2 Timothy, Paul writes, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. 
You see, this is our reality, immortality with Jesus in the presence of God because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We need never fear death because Christ is alive. And those of us who are in the uh, probably the last quarter of our lives no doubt contemplate death a bit more often than anybody else should. But none of us know when that's coming and we never, those of us who have Christ Jesus, never need fear death. It's, it's a glorious event coming our way. Death, eternal deaths and separation from God was the weapon Satan was convinced was his own and the ultimate threat he was able to put on us humans. And you know, Easter is Satan's worst weekend and just for fun we repeat it every year just to remind him. Jesus defeated death. And when Jesus rose from that tomb at Easter, that really got up Satan's nose. This is our reality. This is the good news that we exist in. In the meantime, though, we wait. And we are not left waiting, wondering, because the, the script has been written. In, uh, we know the end of the story. In Revelation chapter 12, Read verse 10 to 12. It says, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not cling to life even in the face of death. Rejoice then, you heavens, and those who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Victory is ours. You see, we live in verse 11. We live there in verse 11. But they have conquered him by the blood of lamb. Verse 11, the begins. That's, thank you, Jesus. We have conquered him. Satan is defeated. That's good news. This is our reality. Those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for us, um, this is the cross, why the cross is so important. So important. And by the word of their testimony, the verse goes on to say, by the word of their testimony, telling what God has done for us and in us, testifying to God's work in your lives, Hope stories, that's what really starts to defeat Satan, where lives are turned around and are, are spoken of. Christie reminded us that testimonies of God's grace, and our testimonies rather, of God's grace can be a gift to others as they true stories of God's presence with us. And here we read that he was, the testimonies actually conquer Satan. This should be our reality, testifying to God's goodness. And then the last part of verse 11, and they did not cling to life even in the face of death. You see, over the time of, that we've had in history since the church began, there's been multiple, 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 whatever numbers, followed by zeros, martyrs. 
martyrdom is still going on. Christians today, Christianity Today publication says that 13 Christians a day are martyred somewhere in the world. Christy spoke about the persecuted church and she would have more figures than I have. We are not a persecuted church yet. Yet. But what if we were now? Would these seats be filled or would these seats have fewer people in them because of the threat of death? Ollie said that uh, living, not living according to the spirit often brings conflict. Three biggies were um, internal conflict, interpersonal conflict, and international conflict as portrayed on our television news screens every night. Are you able to agree with the Apostle Paul's statement in Philippians 1.21? He says, for to me living is Christ and dying is gain. Paul saw dying in Christ as a promotion. As a promotion. It gets better, you see. You know, the, the best is yet to come. We live in a fragile and uncertain world, that's for sure. And as we wait, but we wait with hope. Wait for, as we wait for Jesus' return, we try to live the good life, faithfully trusting what our good God has promised through his word. We still have to deal with Satan's challenge, though, because he's been given time to roam this earth and do his best. We still have to deal with Satan's challenges and what the world does to us as it tries to squeeze us and our human frailty from within. Until Christ returns and climaxes history by overthrowing evil and the evil one and establishes the kingdom of God, Satan is still the prowling lion looking for whom he may devour. So how do we wait? Wearily, just marking time? We're in a weary world after all. No, we wait actively. We wait actively by firstly submitting to God and resisting the devil. Submit means to live in the way God requires of you. Own the name of Jesus. Micah 6 talks about acting justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And that's just such a nice, gentle portrayal of what is expected of us. Resist the devil. The best way to do that is to know the word. To be able to memorize parts of God's word so that you can quote it or use it in prayer or in uh, witnessing, but more particularly in defending yourself against the wiles of Satan. Because when in Luke 4 we, talk, we read about the temptations of Jesus, and those three temptations that Satan put on Jesus were defeated by Jesus, not by his godly power, not by zap, 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 but by his humanness recalling scripture that he'd been taught since a young one. Just scripture. Just the Bible? That's how you win? Absolutely. 
because Satan knows Scripture and he knows the power of Scripture and he knows the end is written in Scripture for him. Little children, live a victorious life. You are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you, in you, if Christ is in you, the one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You are from God and you are his families. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Tell your story. I began this morning with bad news and good news. And I'm going to finish with some more good news and bad news. In Revelation 21 we read, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, uh, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he'll wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the things have passed away. The first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And then he turned and said to John, It is done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things and I will be their God and they will be my children. That's the good news. That's the good news. It's going to end really well. But you know there's bad news as well. I don't like being the bearer of bad news, but to be balanced, I must from the, speak truth from the truth. Because that chapter continues in verse 20, uh, verse 8. But as for the cowardly, the faithful, faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's the bad news. Not what I'm saying, but what God's Word says. There will come a time, and we don't know exactly when, history will climax with God's ultimate triumph through Jesus Christ when he returns to overthrow evil and the evil one and establish fully his kingdom. And those who have accepted Jesus Christ as God's Son and Saviour and Lord will spend eternity with him. And we've got no concept of what that really like in our human minds. But it's good. It's going to be good. And the other side of the coin is and those who have rejected Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Saviour of the world get consigned to that lake that burns with fire and sulphur and keeps burning. Those who have rejected God's Son God then rejects. That's fairly reasonable, isn't it? Good news or bad news, the choice is ours. The choice is ours this morning, folks. 
I'd like to pray for you now to conclude. Father God, I just pray protection over the Door of Hope community from the uh, lies of Satan. I pray for a balanced understanding of evil in our world. I pray that we will have the strength to be strong in Holy Spirit power, not strength of self. I pray that we'll have godliness to shape the world in Holy Spirit power, not be shaped by it. And we will have courage to make right choices. And that we will know where we want to be in eternity. And not to assume we have a long time to make that choice. None of us know when Christ will return or when we'll take our last breath. Yeah, decisions, decisions, I know, but the evidence is here. The choice is clear. I pray that we will let the peace of God reign in our lives, that we'll have the Holy Spirit guide us, the Word of God to grow us, and the blood of Christ to guard us as we actually wait in our weary world. Amen.